Hello and welcome to Code and Crack. This is the social, not social edition. This is your weekly technology digest from the team at Terminus DB, where the crack is always Moorish. We break up the chat into three segments. We talk about something that we're excited about internally. Uh, the topic today is something that we don't really understand, but we're excited. Most importantly, we're excited. Uh, some technology in the world and something topical. So this week we start with distributed claims-based data network. And then we talk about where is data management going? And then is social media making us less social? I'm Luke Feeney. It's Friday. It's exciting. Uh, and this week we're joined by the uh, developer avocado to the stars. It's Chuck back from New York. We're not Yo, New York. Back hello. from America. Back from America. Yes. Straight from America, <laughs> from Utah, from Mormon country. Yes. <laughs> Chuck was at PyCon, at Py the big Python festival yeah. that was held this year in Utah, in Salt Lake City. Yes. What's it like? Is there a salty lake? Well, I didn't see a lake, but I see a lot of mountains surrounded us, um, and it seems to be a hiking, a popular hiking destination. So yeah, yeah. And it's a big startup town these days as well. There's a bunch of like you know tech startups in around Utah. It's quite cool. Yeah, we're, there is. It's we're also great. joined by the Prince of Prologue. It's Gavin. Hello, here I am in Dublin. Oh wow! And uh, we have Rust Royalty with us today. It's Matthias. Hello, we're all getting new titles here. That's yeah. uh, that's nice, exciting. It's exciting, all right. We have the Chevalier of CI, the Marquis of Microservices. It's Robin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> that's it. Then we have the, the Czar of Testing, the Prince of Process, Sean. Hello. Uh, uh, we have uh, with us today the the Caliph of Correctness, it's Shreya. Hello. <laughs> Olive of correctness. And <laughs> then we have the, the marketing mogul himself. It's Vivek. Hello. How are you, Vivek? All good. I'm just, I can't control my laughter on your explanations of the, the way Those you introduced me. Magnificent, today. magnificent alliteration going on there. There you go. Amazing. There we go. Uh, so Wait, yeah. I, I missed it, but did you have a title for yourself as well? I didn't have a title for myself. I'm gonna, you guys are going to have to write up a few titles, throw out a few okay. there. <laughs> Grand Cuba. That's it. You know, as as I said last week, beta is Latin for still doesn't work. <laughs> so I think I'll go for something along those lines. So Gavin, what, what are we looking at here? Um, actually, we're looking at um, a refutation system for referential integrity because I'm trying to speed up the database uh, under the hood. It's not exactly <laughs> what what we're talking about today, but it's somewhat related to the claims-based network in the most vague sense possible. Insofar as like it's computer code and the other one is right. computer code too. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so what's it. going on in, in this bit of code that we're looking at? Uh, so we have a refutation system. Um, so what it does is it provides witnesses if there's some kind of schema check failure. So um, so it runs through, tries to make sure that all of the uh, integrity constraints are met, the data types are correct, and things are connected in the way that you say they are, cardinality constraints, for instance. 
Um, and then it throws a witness of the failure, and a witness is like a a, uh, a proof that something does not hold, and that's why it's a refutation, because it's a proof that something isn't holding. Uh, and in this case, it's nice to know precisely what it is that isn't working, so that's why you want to refute rather than just check that it's correct, because, you know, a failure says, oh, it's not correct, you know, I don't know what that means, so... <laughs> And the basic idea here is we've we've kind of offloaded most of the type checking into the document interface. And so uh, now we do the type checking as we get the documents and then we uh, and then we do a second pass that just checks to make thing, sure things are connected in the way that we say they will be and does some cardinality checks, but very limited just between documents to make sure that the connections between documents hold. Interesting. Interesting. And so what is this tenuous link across to our distributed claims-based data network? <laughs> well, I, it's funny because I, I don't know who put that down on the on the list and nobody's claiming that they're responsible for it. And I started it thinking about you. it a little bit. It has bit. to be you. <laughs> it could have been me like at <laughs> three in the morning or something. I mean, do, do you know what it means? Because that, that would definitely be a hint of uh, whether or not you put it on there. Well... I don't know. I, I think I probably heard it somewhere, uh, somewhere so, said somewhere. Yeah. Wait a second now. So wait a second. Do we uh, do tests and arbitrary generation with prologue based on the schema? There's a question there. Back to the code. So say that again. Do we do, do we tests? do prop tests and arbitrary generation with prologue based on the schema? Oh no, that's actually a really interesting idea. Um, we we actually had a prototype that did that in the past for uh, Owl, where you would just generate, um, you know, sort of like quick check in Haskell or something like that. Uh, and it would be very cool to have. And I think it's very useful for testing purposes if you just generate like, um, you know, generate data for a for a schema or even like a micro schema that's valid but complex just to, to exercise the database, but also there's a lot of places where you might want fake data um, to to fit into a schema just so you can do demos and stuff like that, or to do, uh, there's lots of reasons you might want to anonymize data that is fake so that you can test it out. Yeah, yeah, but there's a bunch of, like you get all that synthetic data generation startups going on all the time now. That's right, yeah. That seems to be a big thing, people generating synthetic data that kind of is shaped like the real data, but is not the real data. That's right, yeah. So people can and do it, testing for like machine learning models and stuff like that mostly. Yeah, exactly. And it would be it would it's it wouldn't be too terribly difficult. It, like Prolog's a good language for writing those sorts of things, but uh, we haven't actually done that in the latest iteration. Mm, there you go. There's uh, ghosts in our past that need to be reborn. <laughs> So back to this uh, imaginary distributed claims-based data network. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What are it these claims me. that you're making? <laughs> it strikes me, it reminds me, uh, I, I um, almost took a job, I decided not to take a job with the uh, Carnegie Mellon Robotics Institute. Um, and they were working on a network where different people made claims about different things in this big knowledge graph. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that it was going to be used by the intelligence services, um, but it was under some sort of DARPA grant. But it it seemed like a very interesting project because you had lots you had you wanted to kind of create trusted sources by based on veracity of past information, and you try to verify 
Uh, and then you'd have like a trusted network and you could like decide who that was. Um, and that always struck me as a very, it would be useful in a be lot useful of useful as like domains. the Twitter algo, wouldn't it? Totally. Something like that where you could say, okay, actually these people I think are complete. I'd actually don't want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> but also you could kind of do some sort of historical, like how, how truthful has this person been? Yeah, you know, totally. like we've looked back after six months and, you know, we now see claims, let's say the Steele dossier or um, Ivermectin or whatever it is, all of these kind of controversies that flare up over time. And then maybe six months, two years later, you get more information and it provides you with more veracity. And then you could go back and say, hey, this guy tends to be wrong, tends to be right, that sort of thing. Totally. I mean, that would be huge because I think right now we're really we have a real problem with memory. Like it's a, the veracity of claims, uh, you know, kind of exists in a very small window. Um, and then it just kind of falls off into the memory hole and we never look back. And I think that's a bit of a problem the way we're always, the turnover is too high to really understand things. Mm. That's, that that kind of reminds me of uh, PGP, like the email signing uh, encryption system where you, can have a web of trust, like saying, uh, I know these people, so I know that key is correct. But also, like, I trust them this much to uh, be able to verify that other people are actually what they say. So in that way, you actually establish a graph of uh, both of, like, people you know, so you know they are what they say they are, but also, like, uh, transitively, like, how much you trust other people's claims about who they say they know and that way you can verify that uh yeah if, if you have a bunch of people in your network and they all say yeah that key actually belongs to uh say Sreya or something then uh you also believe that it's Sreya. that's right it's actually yeah, it's man. actually a very interesting rough problem totally yeah, very crappy they, they do that with lobsters you know the 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 forum um the uh, online technology forum that's kind of you know a better version of hacker news is how they think about it but you have to invite the people along and then behind the scenes they create a graph of who's downstream from you who's upstream from you so you know you could be like okay you know matthias invited in all of these marketing types who are now ruining the whole thing um, Vivek and his gang. Typical me, typical me. Yeah. <laughs> so then we can go back and blame Matthias for all the for for the denigration of the community. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I mean another suggestion here in the um, so go and disrupt scientific publishing with that. Be That's cool exactly, to get relative yeah. trust and relevance for papers based in your local research bubble. Absolutely. I mean, that, that also, I was going to mention that, but that's, that's a hugely useful one. And that's, it, it is very difficult to establish. And the publishers really have kind of a, a, a real uh, monopoly game going on, where all of the reviewers are reviewing for free. Uh, all the public, all the people who are writing the papers are writing the papers for free. And the publishers are selling these copies of it. And they basically just manage the process. And don't and and they make money off of it. It's very strange, but it's because we don't have any way of sort of establishing trusted networks, and they they sort of stand in as a proxy for a trusted network. So you trust nature is not going to be too you know, uh, you know they're not going to publish garbage. But really, the people that nature uses to do the editorial board are, are volunteers. Often, you know, they're people that volunteer their time to to uh, review papers, and that's true of a lot of the 
the various publications. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, all right. Okay, well, let's jump on to this next topic um, uh, and see where do we think data management is going. It's something that we've discussed before a little bit um, around things like data mesh and uh, distributed networks. And, um, you know, do we think that's where it's going? I mean, there was a lot of uh, interest during the week because, well, you know, let's say there was a lot of interest in my very limited online communities. So the people that are interested in knowledge graphs and the people that are interested in kind of ontology management all got very uh, excited because... This week was the Knowledge Graph Conference, and our colleague Oliver was there uh, giving a presentation about our work with um, the Critical Asset Management System. But Bob Muglia uh, gave a talk, and he said something that, you know, is fairly obvious, but it still kicked off a bit of a storm because he's now working with relational AI, a very uh, heavily backed um, uh, knowledge graph startup out of uh, California. And... um, and he's the former CEO of, of Snowflake. He was a sort of Snowflake CEO for about five or six years, so he's well-known on the data management circle. But he was basically saying that SQL doesn't work for uh, business modeling because it's not like the not, not like your business. It's a terrible thing to model your business, in, which I think to mo- knowledge graph people is kind of obvious, but it's still coming from somebody who's from such a heavyweight data management background and given that the world seems to be in love with sql again more than almost ever with all dbt and all this stuff that's very sql heavy and data analyst heavy um it, it seemed to be a bit of a excitement so what what do you think um do you think we're going to have sql in 10 years do you think it's going to be as dominant do you think, where do you think it's going is that directed to me <laughs> any of you who wants to who wants to pick up the sql baton I'm pretty sure it's going nowhere, to be honest. Uh, it's 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 such an entrenched technology. Uh, I hope it will become less relevant, though, because, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of modeling things that SQL really can't do, or if you try to do it, you kind of have to fight what it actually wants you to model things as. Um, but then it it is the established technology and it is what databases with like decades of engineering in them actually use right now and i think that's that's really more the appeal than it's 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 modeling uh, abilities it's just like it's a proven technology for the past couple of decades and it's 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 one of the most kind of optimized uh, things that we have in uh, in software engineering and and that that's really cannot be ignored yeah. And Matthijs, do you think perhaps that like uh, SQL will perhaps stay as a legacy slash kind of performant, performative mm. uh, query language and that the trends will be more like uh, layers on top, like you have so, Postgres, which exposes an automatic REST API for uh, your Postgres database? So I kind of don't think that it's, it's really about SQL itself as such. I mean, for sure, there are many people that, that know SQL and, and therefore they, uh, well, they are attached to it and people are sort of like reluctant uh, to learn something new. But the real power of relational databases is, is I think, in their engineering. Uh, and, and that's actually independent from SQL itself. So I don't think SQL necessarily uh, 
as a future separate from the relational databases that it supports. What do you think? What do you think, Chuck? I mean, I know that the Python community in particular often clashes with the SQL world um, and people talk about pandas and, and this sort of stuff and uh, people throw sort of um, Molotov cocktails in both directions about the <laughs> relative skills or the relative uh, quality of SQL versus uh, Python. Well, there is two schools. I mean, like there are analytic people who are, are like quite kind of fluent in Python. Well, of course, like they they switch over like to use Python for for, for obvious reason that like there are benefits of you know being able to use this the code to like automate work and stuff. You know, um, SQL is kind of limit, limited in kind of a lot of ways that you can do stuff, um, especially now, like if you want to do machine learning and stuff, you have to use Python, right? You can't just use SQL to do those things. Um, so, but there's also another school of like a lot of people, uh, the, especially the web uh, framework people, they still heavily rely on uh, SQL databases as the backend, which I think uh, we need to open up a little bit more of opportunity of. You know, but, uh, um, Chuck, don't don't these guys usually use some kind of object relational mapping framework that actually hides all the SQL from them? Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I think that like you know why if we have now like other database available that doesn't need to have these like heavily like heavy ORM to to convert like to to some like awkwardly from from some kind of modeling into uh, the SQL database. Then you know, I think. Um, yeah, I think that it's just because of the habit of people are more familiar with the, the SQL databases. That's why like, it's still kind of uh, why people are using them uh, as a backend and they would rather have these ORM to do all these uh, work for them. But rather than like directly, if you can um, have a database that works very well with, you know, how the, the programming language work then then of course like you know it will be better but it's, it still takes time for people to, to accept the fact that you know you don't need an ORM in Python <laughs> eventually yeah I'm a, I'm a data log maximalist I think that in the next decade SQL is going to be totally wiped out it'll just be <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and, and what will be the mechanism there, Luke? I, I'm thinking some sort of um, some sort of war. extinction event. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and only a few public programmers survive the uh, extinction. Yeah. <laughs> As they all in their like seventies uh, bunkers uh, working exactly, away in the mainframes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still hanging uh, out with the mainframes in the bunker. It, it took a really long time to mostly get rid of COBOL. It's not even totally dead yet. It's mostly dead, but, uh, you know, and it wasn't very good, and there were lots of better replacements, whereas, like, SQL has, um, you know, it has some serious relational database management systems behind it. So I think it's going to be a very long time of sort of coexisting with this sort of relational world and the new ones. I think there's so much value in, like, data log, for instance, uh, and constraint logic programming, I think, is the really unsung uh, benefit that like programmers have really not managed to uh, get in their hands, you know. And I think that in queries, queries especially with constraints, are extremely powerful. And I think you know that's that's got to come someday. But then I guess people have been pushing data log, log since since the 80s. And... Yeah, more and more <laughs> systems using it now, though. 
to be honest. That's true. I mean, that's, that's a relational a AI. That the, the big thing that came through to me from those those slides, which I'll post the link to in the in, in the show notes, was that yes, they 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 call themselves relational AI, and they're a knowledge graph because they've obviously got relational algebra at their core, like a lot of us do. Um, and you know, they're saying that they're the real inheritors of of, of COD, um, because they're they're purer about relational um, algebra. Uh, and then say, oh, yes, and of course, you can interface with this via SQL as well. Uh, but uh, mm. most of the power is still in a data log that they call REL, uh, which right. does most of the work. Now, they're in stealth. I mean, Jesus Christ, they mm. have $26 million in funding and they're in stealth. Wow. I mean, what's going on in this world? But there you go. It's, <laughs> it's called Silicon Valley for you. So what, what what do you think, Sean? Do you think uh, SQL's uh, growing in power, dying, just staying? Um, I think the field of, of uh, querying has definitely diversified a lot in the last so many years. Uh, but there's also a lot that has gone into optimizing uh, queries for SQL, and it's a quite well understood uh, area that's still improving. So in that way, um, I don't think it's it's going away. It's quite a, it's like, you know, it, query is a, quite a difficult thing, and a lot of uh, work has gone into that particular uh, <clears throat> querying uh, functionality, the, the query engines behind a lot of the databases, SQL databases. Mm, yeah. There's an interesting point in the chat there as well, saying that as software engineers, we like to think that we rally behind specs, so data log or SQL. Whereas in reality, we bunch around implementations, which is true. My, my is SQL, true. Postgres, SQLite, even more surprising. And all the languages. Yeah, all the languages as well. It's the Languages as well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting that, isn't it, rather than, than specs. Um, and then yeah. a, 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 even more surprising that CockroachDB seems to be carving a niche for itself, which I find always amazing. I mean, imagine <laughs> going into a meeting with your boss who's non-technology and being like, yeah, I think we should use CockroachDB. <laughs> what? We're not using anything a product called cockroach, are we? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it, it won't die. It won't die. Mongo has a similar <laughs> name, yeah, Mongo, though. I mean, Mongo, exactly. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I think cockroach DB is really it is the promise that they are compatible, right? That that's is their selling point. Like you can just keep doing what you already do, but now you're dropping CockroachDB and suddenly it's all like parallelized, uh, very redundant, resistant, uh, highly available, uh, all that goodness. Yeah. Gavin and I had a conversation during the week with a, a guy from a different startup um, that are working on, uh, they're called Vaccine and they're working on CRDTs, um, online CRDTs of some kind. One of the chaps was from the uh, MySQL core team, and it didn't sound it didn't like it sounded fine, but you know, it sounded like they hire loads of people with PhDs, Oracle, and then don't listen to them. Yeah, <laughs> and just stick like them in a room, you know, and that's what it sounded like. Um, so they can say, "Oh yeah, we got this many guys with PhDs working on it," but um, the development really wasn't being directed by the engineers. Uh, it was being directed by by others within the the, the system. Though the the CRDT thing they were working on sounded very interesting. It sounded very cool, actually. I kind of want to play with it. 
Give us a give us a flavor of what it is, Gavin. So basically, they have a sort of schema language, and in the schema language, you can define records, and each record. Uh, so I mean, like, um, let me just look in yeah, one of our little things. So you have an, a record, and each of the record fields uh, would point to a, a type of CRDT, and then you can have like a a composite and, and complex composites. And then it does all of the management of distributing the information for you, and it's, it has this eventual consistency. Um, th there's going to be different consistency guarantees for each of the different data types that they have. Uh, but you know, this field, say Gavin, could actually be like a document field, and then it would like allow you to use that part of it to do like a, a multi-user editable document. And then it could have another field that's doing something else. You know, it's like an increment only or something like that that just counts something or something like that. And of course, those have a different logic to them, but they can also be merged as a CRDT. So it sounded quite cool. And like, I can think of a lot of places where you might want something that out of the box just does that that kind of uh, yeah i mean that's the big thing is that thing. everybody's just implementing their own at the moment yeah 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 um, and it's tricky it's tricky to get right so if you had a suite of them that kind of did a bunch of things it would be handy or it could be yeah yeah well i mean and, and so many people get that crdt you know massively um uh, multiplayer stuff so wrong uh, and it seems so difficult for everybody who's trying to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it's, it's going to go. Uh, anyway, so we've gotten off our topic a little bit, <laughs> uh, which was uh, where's data management going? I mean, that is kind of in the topic, isn't it? It is, yeah. Is it going to be CRDTs? Are they going to be the winners in the end? Is it going to be OTs? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's going to be more CRDT in the future. I mean, we're going to see more of these sorts of things because the the problem is hard. Programmers should abstract beyond it, uh, so it's the right thing to do. Um, but you know, there's other things. There's the the other part is the human in the loop, which is actually one of the things that they were talking about. There's other kinds of uh, synchronization problems that uh, you actually want a human to look over, and so that's more terminus uh, sort of territory. Uh, although we can we can also have um, programmatic review of of conflicts. Uh, in a lot of cases, you, you want a human reviewer. So for documentation or a CRM or something like that, you, you actually want a human in the loop. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, they're kind of, um, they're like that Martin Kleppman guys a little bit. I brought them up in the meeting and they were very quick to insist that they were very <laughs> different. But it sounded, you know, it's the difference where... Um, you know what they used to say in in Ireland that we spent our time arguing about angels on the tip of a of a of a pin. That's right. Um, and so on pinheads. Yeah, exactly. It was it, you know it's 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 fine lines. People who are deep into spaces notice things being very difficult, different, and I'm sure we are guilty of the same when somebody says, "Oh, you guys are like Neo for J," and we're like, "No." <laughs> Jesus, no, nothing like that. Now, they could, you couldn't find two things that were more different on the planet <laughs> than us and Neo4j. And I think they were kind really... of similar because probably a lot of people talk to them about our auto merge, which is the Martin Kleppman um, startup. Uh, but it, it, like their, their explanation was that those guys are, I actually didn't quite understand it, Gavin, because I'm not so uh, sharp. 
Um, but it was like that the those guys are focused on a kind of uh, offline first mode, whereas these lads are focused yeah. more on an online first. Yeah, so they're managing the sort of network of nodes uh, that are going to do the CRDT. So it's like more of a server managed uh, space, um, whereas like the Martin Clipman sort of auto merge is is more your cell phone comes online and and then submits the document, does the update that way. So it's there's sort of like a different um, there's different qualities that you you might want from the uh, the two different spaces. Mm, interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the final segment. Uh, is social media making us less social? Um, it's a strange question. Um, I, I find like today, a day like today. So there was an election in Northern Ireland yesterday. Um, and it's quite a historic, contested moment where a nationalist party might be the largest party in Northern Ireland for the first time ever. Uh, and the reason I mention that is because it's a time when you spend more time on social media uh, because social media has a way of getting us closer to the truth than traditional media. I mean, it has a way of getting us tr closer to lies as well. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like I'm closer to the truth with social media than I was before. And there's certainly a lot more views and information that's circulated that might, you know, be outside of the sort of Overton window of previous times. But then, of course, that's also closed a fair bit over the last year, I feel like, or the last five years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> Can't beat a bit of, you know, Jesus Christ in the Bible on a on a Friday afternoon. So Shreya, you're a, a social media person. I see you lifting weights and stuff on socials. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think it makes you less social, more social? Um, I don't. I'm on social media for the for the videos of the of the animals. <laughs> well, who isn't? I mean, that's ninety four percent of the internet. You take out pornography and animals, and then there's nothing left. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think like. I mean, it can, but it, it, I guess it's, it's up to you to decide or to understand how much of an influence it's having on your life. I think for me, for a lot of people, it can probably make you more oblivious to reality or what's actually going on around you. Like, it's problematic if you base everything off of something that you read that someone posted on Twitter, you know, like, because like what is what is truth and what is a lie like you like you have to decide that for yourself and i don't know it like there are some wild opinions out there that you're exposed to on social media as well so a tricky one yeah yeah i mean i try i try and have a balance of wild opinions on different sides <laughs> of my social media <laughs> good plan so I can get a flavor of different things. Hey, does anyone know uh, Be Real here? No. Okay, it's a kind of a new social media app. And basically, it gives you a notification on your phone. And then you have to take a picture immediately. And uh, it tries to fight uh, the idea that everyone is perfect, you know? Like, you can't make a photo when you want to and make it perfect. But you have to make a photo on the spot of yourself. Uh, and 
uh, it will use your front camera and your rear camera. And it's pretty fun, to be honest. Like, you see your friends doing all sorts of random stuff that you wouldn't see otherwise. Oh, because, like, everything usually is so kind of, like, manipulated or doctored on social media. So you never actually end up seeing um, a real version of someone. Exactly. So you just get to see me in my room on my computer the whole time. <laughs> Depends on. It's gonna be amazing. What a <laughs> network! You get the notification, of course. I think it randomizes the notification. I don't. I'm not sure, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how um, people have tried to break through the monopoly of social media, but it's all about that network effect of having people, other people doing it. But I suppose if you get enough of your friends doing that, then it might make might work. Yeah, but it, then they'd have to get enough of their friends and yeah. get enough of their friends. It, it's really quite tricky to move. Yeah, I mean, it's some great idea, maybe something like that, but I, I don't know if that's if that's enough. Um, so what 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 do you think, Vivek? Do you think uh, social media is making us more or less social? Do you feel like you get closer to the truth with social media? You're the Facebook man of of, of the group. Well, no, Gavin, actually. Jesus. I'm... Nobody go and look at Gavin's Facebook. No <laughs> no <laughs> listeners or viewers of this show are allowed Gavin. to look at Gavin's Facebook. <laughs> how, are, how are people still on Facebook? And you have, like, regular debates on Facebook. Yeah. I do. I do. He fights all the trolls. <laughs> fights all the trolls daily. Wow. Facebook is facing a challenging time, though. Like... If you yeah, look I at the stock it's, market, it's, it's fallen like half or something like that. Yeah, they're old media. Big yeah, time I think old they're media. dying. I, 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 I think it's good. probably going a little bit too far. I mean, they're totally, the planet is saturated with Facebook. But Instagram's still, you know, powerful. and. That's right, yeah. No, but yeah, the, the, the problem is the generation that used Facebook is no more the young generation. And the young generation thinks Facebook is too old. So yeah. the move that made Facebook big is now the same move where the younger generations like we want to use something else, and that is a big problematic thing for Facebook right now. If you look at my kids, for example, my thirteen-year-old son, all he does is Snap and TikTok. Yeah, snap, really, it's Snap like Snap as in Snapchat. Yeah, I'm also surprised. It's I thought that Apple was totally dead. No, I thought yeah, that that was dead. I was going to say that if you're like you're, you're like the younger generation, then you're probably on TikTok. TikTok like and Snap though, but they love Snap. They're all snapping yeah, constantly. Why? Because yeah. their parents aren't on Snapchat. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like I have, I'm, I'm connected with him on a bunch of accounts, but I think he's got like other accounts that he doesn't connect with me on. Like Instagram. Because oh. I sometimes meet uh, some of his friends, and they're like, "Oh, I saw that thing," and I'm like, "What thing? What thing? I've been connected to you on that social." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no, this was a totally different type of thing altogether." You can also just like, but you can also hide stuff, you know, from like, like on Instagram, like you can hide stories or something that you just don't want people or certain persons. Yeah. And in the chat there, there's been a lot of articles recently that social media is ruining the mental health of children. And that'd be my biggest concern with kids, really. My kids using it is, um, you know, bullying, which happens, I mean, big on Insta, um, especially young, at least anecdotally in my circle, amongst young girls where people yeah. are setting up fake accounts and, you know, uh, putting oh, in so photographs of fake accounts, all that sort of stuff. Um, 
which can be, you know, enormously detrimental to people's mental health and feeling of security. But I think even more generally, you know, social, especially TikTok's algo is so good now at producing content that you want to see. Um, that it can just, you know, people go and sit there for like two hours just looking at TikTok yeah. content. And if your algo is giving you, if it's giving you the terrible algo, stuff. The algo is actually ridiculous. Like the algo is ridiculous on, like on Instagram as well. Um, like you go on your Instagram, it's just like it knows what you want to see a lot of times. It's actually really freaky. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's really, yeah, but the, the, go ahead. I think the, the main problem, though, is uh, when people try and live virtually, like it's great that you're connected, but you just lose uh, or live, lose the ability to live in the moment. And you're just always clicking pictures or connecting with people just virtually and you believe that's your life. And that's what makes you less social. But you can definitely argue that it does bring the truth to you quicker and it does do a lot of good, but it has its negative effects if you don't know how to control it. But then the good question here is, do kids know how much to control this? Yeah. Kids aren't really equipped to control it, you know? Well, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because we were, we were talking to another startup um, recently, uh, and they're working to do um, some sort of scan that allows you to understand uh, somebody's age from their eye. Um, and uh, the, one of the ideas I think around that would be that you could have something in place that would allow, um, you know, uh, a device to understand exactly what age you were and then restrict you from uh, particular content. Which That'd is be wild. Which would be wild. It'd be a wild <laughs> way to approach it. But, That'd you know, maybe yeah. maybe there's something in that to try and yeah. say something. I mean, who knows? Um, so, OK, I'm going to go. We're going to go for a quick fire round. Um, on this question, starting at the top, so that's Chuck on my screen at least. If we have to keep one social media, Chuck, what's it going to be? Kill all the other ones, you're only allowed one. I would have Twitter only because a lot of my friends from the conference are on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I just found it quite weird when people want to connect me on LinkedIn because... Well, uh, it's just too much noise on LinkedIn already. <laughs> so I have to choose Twitter. <laughs> okay, Twitter. One vote for Twitter. Okay, Gavin, you're up. Uh, IRC. One vote for Zuck. Is it going to be a, a Zuck no, vote? No, it's, it's IRC. Screw yeah. Facebook. I'd, I'd happily see the whole thing go under. So. <laughs> IRC, there we go. IRC, that's the one for me. Okay, um, well, I'm going to go for... Media. Yeah, it's not really it is, social yeah. media. It's more like a messaging. It's messaging, yeah. Like WhatsApp no, not account to social well media, does SMS it? SMS is also social media. It's not WhatsApp, though. It's like channels. I don't know. I mean, this is the interesting... That's actually It's more like Telegram. Like, is it is Telegram? Telegram? Exactly. Is it social? Telegram is more like... Yeah, it's a little bit like Telegram. But I think it's, yeah. social media know, is Discord. like you, you publish something to the public, right? At least there's like a public interface. Yeah, like, like, our message, like messaging apps probably just a pure messaging app probably doesn't count as social media i don't know yeah. i think telegram's a social media like i kind of use it sort of like i use twitter in a way you know yeah you know anyway but we'll let you have it we'll let you have it <laughs> the the boundaries are very <laughs> unclear in this so we'll let you have it I, i'm gonna go for reddit um i like reddit, reddit. um yeah. 
So I'm gonna, I, I, I enjoy having a look in at Reddit, seeing what's happening. I probably, you know, use Twitter more, but uh, I'm going to go for Reddit today. Matthias, what social media do you preserve while all the others um, burn? Got to go with imaging, which is just uh, for your picture of cute cats and dogs. Nice, but is imaging <laughs> not Imager. just something that is behind Reddit now? Or does it exist uh, in its own right? Or, originally it was, but no, now it just exists in its own right. Well, can you actually just go on Imager and, and, and... You can actually just go on Imager and there's like comments on pictures and stuff. Oh, is yeah. there? There is, Wow, yeah. that sounds amazing. I must try that out. I thought it was only just clicking through from Reddit. <laughs> As a typical Redditor would think. <laughs> uh, Robin, what, what are you going to save? Oof, oof. Um, I use Twitter mostly as a personal diary. Like I have a secret account that I only give friends. Oh uh, yeah, with this, uh, who, Matthias, you, you have a view on this. You got to share the, his handle, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like Reddit as well, and yeah, I like some obscure image boards. But if I really have to choose WhatsApp, but is that social media? That's the. If if I see yes, then yeah. But I kind of think it doesn't count. Nice. Unfair. WhatsApp is saved. Zuckerberg has one one supporter here at least. <laughs> so Sean, what are you gonna go for? Yeah, be happy to see them all go, but uh I, I do think there is probably of the services I've used the most value in Reddit. Um that they're in, in certain like communities, the way the community operates, not just everywhere in reddit there's a lot of trash on there yeah there's definitely a lot of trash on there but it has a nice you know i think i said it before that i'm i'm i i like uh searching for things with the reddit suffix so that i can see what other people are saying and i'm sure that's gamed to a certain degree but it definitely feels like uh uh it, it feels like it's more genuine um, and the way that the interaction of upvotes and things like that works works quite well for getting genuine voices uh, available. Shreya, it's going to be going to be the the gym picks and Insta, is it? It's, <laughs> I was going to say my Fitbit, but that's not that's not that's not social media. So yes, unfortunately, it will be Instagram. Do you not do my like Instagram Strava? Does Strava not have like a, a lifting segment? Strava, you know? I no Strava. I think people mostly use Strava for running. Yeah. Walking, um, running. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so people, people. It's definitely a social network. It's one of the most pathetic of all the social networks. Yeah. <laughs> I I ran up this hill the fastest. I cycled up this hill the fastest. Yeah. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, so I'd, I'll I'll save the Instagram for the fitness content and the and the dogs. <laughs> um, Vivek, what do you, what do you think? This is a very hard question. I would struggle to answer it. <laughs> You have to pick um, one. So, so for work, I like using LinkedIn, and for pastime, I like using Instagram. I I, I use both the apps daily, so I really can't toss up. Uh... Is would YouTube would is YouTube a social media now? Oh uh, yeah, but YouTube is not social media, no. Not really. No, I wouldn't say so. Okay, I'd probably this... like go with Instagram just to try like a non-work thing wow so two instagram votes gets it over the line as the as the champion 
the champion. Well, I, given that it had the the third Zuck vote with with Robin, so three Zucks against the rest of us. <laughs> so we know where people lie now on the you know the 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 evil billionaires will rule the world question. <laughs> There's also one honorable mention from chats for uh, Hacker News. Yeah, yeah, but they were so mean to us last time. Where's me? <laughs> Elon Musk will buy everybody up soon. They were so mean to me. I can't. I can't. No love for the Hacker News guys anymore. Until they're nice <laughs> to me on my next time. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, you know, one of the things I really like about Hacker News, and I, I would actually give it a, a top because the 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 moderators are so good. And your man, um, Dang, who's the the main moderator and basically the guy who runs all the moderation, is so um, consistent and considerate. And he always replies to his emails, even if it takes a while. Uh, you know, asking like, why, why did this go wrong? Why, why are we getting downvoted here? That sort of stuff. So, uh, for that, for that reason, it's quite good. But as again, because it's ruled with like an iron grip by Y Combinator, um, and is an enormous source of value for them as well because their companies can get to the front page and have job ads on the front page and all this sort of stuff all the time. So, it does work, but it works in a limited sense. That's right. Anyway, it has been another fantastic Code and Crack. Thank you very much all for joining us. Uh, and we will be here again for another lovely May Friday next week. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, another exciting week. We'll have a, a meetup in London on Tuesday um, in the Microsoft Reactor. Uh, there's plenty of information in the ThermosDB community group on meetup.com. Uh, and in a bunch of other places like our, our Twitter and all. Um, and Chuck and Gavin and I will be there. So anybody that is listening or uh, looking at this and wants to come along, uh, wants to come along and shout at us for having wrong opinions, uh, we're available to be shouted at. Uh, we will also be buying some beers and some pizza. So um, please uh, come on down if you're listening. We'd, we'd love to see you. Um, and apart from that, we'll be back next week. Say goodbye, everybody. See you later. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.